Welcome to the Indisposable Podcast, produced by Upstream. I'm your host, Brooking Gatewood. And I'm your co-host, Matt Prindeville. Thanks for joining for another episode celebrating solutions to plastic pollution. Hey, what's up, Solutioneers? Guess what? The votes are in. Now, who will win at the second annual Reuse Awards, aka the Reusies 2022? Presented by Upstream and Closed Loop Partners, the Reusies is a groundbreaking awards program to honor the changemakers who are co creating a world where we can get what we need and want without all the waste. Learn about all the amazing finalists and find out the winners at the virtual awards ceremony streaming live on Thursday, September 29th. Christy Drutman, founder and creator of the wildly popular Brown Girl Green media platform and podcast, will be the evening's host. You don't want to miss it. Register at thereusies.org now to save your spot. Tickets are free and a limited number of VIP packages are available for purchase, which come with amazing perks. So don't wait. Register and learn more at thereusies.org. That's T-H-E-R-E-U-S-I-E-S dot org. Can't wait to see you there. Hey, what's up, Solutioneers? Welcome back to the Indisposable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Prindeville, CEO and Chief Solutioneer at Upstream, and today I'm, I'm really excited to have Chris Dickerson on the show. Uh, Chris is the former Major League Baseball player. His career has spanned eight years, and he's played for teams like the Cincinnati Reds, the New York Yankees, Baltimore Orioles, and the Cleveland Indians. Although playing professional baseball was always Chris's dream, his passion uh, has always been the environment and trying to find solutions to the growing environmental crisis that we all face. Now, the huge amount of plastic cups used at every single major league game and in the locker room prompted he and fellow baseball player Jack Cassell to team up to address the the devastation of plastics on the environment by establishing Players for the Planet, uh, which is an organization that brings professional athletes together to inspire communities and build awareness around the growing environmental crises that we face globally. So Players for the Planet engages professional athletes to participate in recycling and conservation and cleanup programs, as well as supporting educational seminars. Chris was awarded the Seal the Deal Award as a recognition for his efforts of using his voice and the platform of professional sports to incite change and build a more sustainable world. And he currently sits on the advisory board for the Players Alliance, which is a group of over 150 former and current Black MLB players focused on building equitable systems in order to change the trajectory of diversity throughout baseball. Welcome to the show, Chris. I appreciate it, Matt. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm just glad we finally locked this down. I feel like it was like a cat and mouse game for a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, you know, that late, that late summer and you know how it is. We we're just talking about kids and you know, it's like, what do you do with those last three weeks of summer oh before, God, before know. school starts? And it's like, okay, you basically turn into a, you know, a tour guide hundred percent for three weeks. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, I was glad that we, we were able to get a little bit of, of like last minute vacation time this summer as a family and, and everybody's back in school and doing their own thing now. So, so, so Chris, I, I always like to start, you know, just with people's origin stories and I know you're an accomplished athlete and, I, and I'm sure some of our listeners know about you and your career, but I'm sure most of them don't know about your origin story. I'm wondering if you might be able to tell our audience a little bit about your journey, you know, from professional athlete to sustainability thought leader. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I, I think it was, I think it was easy for me, honestly, I, it, it doesn't, 
it doesn't sound like it makes too much sense, but I think being in Southern California and just being in California in general, um, and you always, people always wonder why, you know, Californians are always like progressive hippies. It's, you know, and, but the fact, but the fact of the matter is, is when you're in California, you understand there's such a unique, uh, there's unique, um, environmental diversity, um, biodiversity, um, you know, the, the, the variance in landscapes is truly extraordinary. You know, I'm sitting in an office in El Segundo and I can go walk to the beach and then I can get in a car and I can drive mm. two hours and I can be skiing by the afternoon. You go beyond that mountain range and you're in Death Valley, um, you know, wow. one of the, the, dry, the driest, most barren places on the planet. And then you go to north to Big Sur and you're in another landscape that simply just doesn't exist in any other part of the, the country with the, the massive cliffs. And, you know, this, you know, basically it's a forest right on right mm. on the water. So it really is. It's incredible. And, you know, me being fortunate to. Um, you know, to have the parents and the exposure that I did and be able to go on these trips and skiing and go out to the beach and spend time in Malibu. And then, you know, to go to conservation areas and learn about the different, um, these, these, these great histories of California and, and being able to witness and kind of take in the natural environment, you have a greater understanding of how we operate within the context of, of, of the natural world. And, being in one of the most populated cities also comes its own challenges. Um, you know, we've had, you know, we've been in drought. I've had kids who couldn't show up to practice because of asthma. Um, mm. You go hiking at any point during the day, you can look out over in LA and see the smog levels. Yep. And so all of this, all of these, all of these things have kind of led me to this one thing that I can do better. And we, as a city at, in a hyper localized sense can do so much better um, with this amazing, you know, this amazing scenery that we have, we have to do better to preserve it. Um, you know, we're, I think we've killed off most of the mountain lions. You don't see any deer, all these, right. you know, all these natural, the natural wildlife are being dr driven back into, you know, basically nothing. Cause you know, there's something everywhere in Southern California. So that that's, it's a very bizarre thing is how we continue to, to, to spread and how we don't consider the natural environment, anything other than ourselves. And so I wanted to change that. And I wanted to find more athletes that felt the same way. And when I stepped up to do something as simple as eliminate plastic from the clubhouse, it was, uh, something was, a, it was a personal mission just to cut down and see if we could cut down on 50% of the plastic and then introduce some of my teammates to the idea of environmental stewardship. And it was, I was just very fortunate that MLB and ESPN.com picked up the story and the feedback from um, the Reds when I got called up um, two months later to players and you know everybody else, it, I really felt like there was an opportunity to find more like-minded athletes such as myself to use our platforms to educate, encourage, and inspire the next generation of athletes and sports fans to to do better uh, by the environment. So, Chris, you actually you started this journey as as an MLB baseball player. So, players for the planet is this something that you started while you were still playing baseball? As a minor leaguer, technically, technically, <laughs> I, technically, I started as a minor leaguer. I was yeah. still in I was still in AAA when I had read Thomas Friedman's um, uh, "Hot, Flat, and Crowded," and then he had great done book, great book. He, amazing and then he had done an he had done an op-ed in time magazine called the red the white and the green and why america needs a green revolution and in this particular article 
or magazine, there was a ad for a Brita water filter and it said eight ounces of eight ounces of water for a good night's sleep. One plastic water bottle equals a thousand years in a landfill. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> um is that and then and then down the wormhole and then you find yeah. like some of this stuff plastic bags plastic forks 450 to a thousand years to de- decompose and i'm like god that's yeah. ridiculous so meanwhile i'm in our, our our team break room where we eat our meals we watch tv we have a pool table and i'm at my desk on my computer because i'm starting to research a lot of this and right next to me is this 50 gallon trash can and it's in July and it's filled to the brim with plastic bottles. Cause you know, you get there, you sit yep. down, you have your pregame meal with lunch, you drink yep. two water bottles. You go take three bottles to the batting cage, you throw those in the trash can. You go out for batting practice. It's 97 outside in Louisville, Kentucky. You take three more in your back pocket. Wow. And then all of this stuff comes back. And so, you know, at the same time, um, you know, I'm witnessing our, our interaction with this material. And then five pages later, there is uh, another ad for a SIG water bottle uh, that did aluminum water bottles at the time. And they were doing a collaboration with StopGlobalWarming.org, which is Lori David's um, nonprofit. She was the, the chairwoman of, of this and you know known climate activist. And on this particular bottle, it was an all-white bottle like this. And on the side, it said, I am not plastic in huge red letters (laughs) and that really made a statement and those were the bottles those were the bottles that we started out with um that year in louisville and then um you know then when i got called up a month and a half later i played my first home game in cincinnati and i saw people with these fan signs it's with the recycling symbol and that's when the light bulb went off that this is something that people want this is something people that need and this is this is going to be my this is going to be my, my purpose, you know, off the field is, is to, is to continue to educate and, you know, bring sports fans together for greater solutions to the environmental crisis. You know, this, uh, reminds me of, of a story I know well, uh, from Jack Johnson, the, the musician. So Jack, Jack's a supporter of upstream. And I, I got to know him on a, on a trip out into the Bermuda triangle and going, going and looking for plastic in the ocean. And, uh, you know, he talked about, um, his experience of, you know, being a touring musician and the overflowing garbage cans of, of water bottles and, and beer cups uh, at, at events. And he just said, I, I got to figure out a way to have an impact and, and do something about this. And, you know, he's devoted a lot of his, his, his work um, outside of being a touring musician to working to solve plastic pollution and investing a lot of his own, you know, money in philanthropy around plastic pollution. And I, I think, you know, I'm just really struck by you this moment, right? Because it sounded like you had a you had a moment, right? You read this book, you know, you're looking at this uh, this op ed from Tom Friedman, you're seeing the advertisements, and you're like, we can do better, right? Al Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth, um, the year before when I got sick during do, during New Year's, and um, yeah, so it was all these moments, and then you know that brought me on this journey to where we had finally kind of solidified what we're doing with players for the planet originally called we play green until we received a cease and desist letter from the Houston Astros because our (laughs) name was too close to a campaign that they had filed um, copyright for six weeks prior. So we ended up changing it to players for the planet, but I like players for the planet better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So 2008, um, so 2008 off season, we had filed, you know, for 501 C three. And then, um, uh, the following year, 2009, 
you know, we were official and then played the 2009 season. And then that's when I was invited to the UN um, to receive that award. But in doing so, I was there with a number of athletes from around the world. And that was kind of like the second moment is that oftentimes we, we often tend to work with blinders on, you know, we're so focused on what we have to do to get through the day, what to avoid inconveniences and all these athletes from winter sports to, um, you know, to great Arctic explorers and, you know, deep sea divers and swimmers, rowers, they all have these, these tremendous stories over, you know, the current conditions that as they've noticed their environment slowly changing over time. And, and I remember, I can't remember her name, but she was a French rower and she had set a record for rowing across the Atlantic ocean. And her story was that she was on her way and halfway through, she started to see these weird glimmers of color um, in the distance. And she thought it was so peculiar that she ended up changing the course. And as she got closer, she started seeing these floating bottles of plastic and debris. Yeah. As she rode closer, it kept getting more dense and more dense until she finally stumbled on the great Atlantic garbage patch while rowing across. And she was just like blown away. Like, absolutely appalled and so yeah that was her aha moment like this this is happening and we have to do something about it yep yep i'm I'm super inspired by the whole players for the planet idea i mean i think that that you know professional athletes have have these incredible platforms and and you know having the ability to connect with you know millions of fans uh uh you know for for not, you know the the reach that professional athletes have in engaging their fans on on issues that matter to them it's incredibly powerful and I, I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit more about the you know the evolution and the journey of, of players for the planet because you it sounds like you had this moment uh, you connected with some close friends of yours to kind of get this idea off the ground you know what's what's happened in the last uh, ten years since you started it well I mean the, the first you know the first five years were you know, it's just about like acquisition. It was, if I was a tech company, it'd be about user acquisition. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's just getting at, it's really just getting athletes on board. I was very fortunate to be with an organization, um, in Cincinnati where they really were progressive and forward thinking about how they could do better. And so, um, they allowed me to kind of flex my muscles and to flourish as an environmentalist there. And, um, you know, we'd have like a reading program. So I got to go read, Lori David's other book about climate change. And then we integrated a seventh inning recycling stretch where we had a number of volunteers come down and, and pick up plastic cans and bottles. And then we started our e-waste events, which we are still to this day, some of my favorite events because e-waste is an enormous problem. And I don't think nobody knows it, which is really unfortunate. You have so many big tech companies, computer companies, technology tech companies that aren't doing their due diligence as far as educating people on what to do with their devices when at the end of life. End of life. Yep. And with this consumer culture, we're always looking for the next best thing. You know, when's this coming out? When's a new iPhone coming out? When's a new Apple watch coming out? When's new this, 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 and this. And there's yeah. no, there's no sense of, Hey, from leadership, most importantly to, Hey, if you're going to buy them, bring back your old headphones, bring back your old iPhone. To Best Buy, if you have old electronics, hairdryer, toasters, any of these things, please bring them back to us to reduce e-waste going to landfill. Here are the perils of e-waste. These are, number one, it's sent to 
God knows where in some poor community and dumped in a landfill where there's mercury, cadmium, all these, um, you know, these, these metals, but nobody talks about the value in recouping the precious metals, copper, silver, gold, um, nickel that can be reused in other parts. So we brought out the city, um, to come out and bring out their old electronics. And in the first year we did 222,000 pounds of e-waste. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it was wild. And this was also at a time where everybody was making the switch to flat screen TVs. So yep. a majority of that was the big box TV. So that's where most of the weight came from. But just to see what people hang on to, but also just the the need for more knowledge on where this stuff can go. It's just like, I've been keeping this in my basement. I've been keeping this here. I, ha- I have two computers that have just been sitting around and they just don't have the options to take these to the proper places. So we ended up doing eight of those in Cincinnati, eight years. We did one with the Texas Rangers and the Kansas City Royals. And so those were our first major events. And we continue to do like different events here, here and there. We did some cleanups, but we weren't really organized. We were probably only working with, you know, 30, 35 athletes, most of which were at the end of their careers and kind of getting phased out. And we kind of needed like an injection of new blood to to get in the clubhouses and be true ambassadors to be evangelists of, of the organization and really find more ways to get these guys out participating in the community. And we were very fortunate and unfortunate at the same time in 2018 when CNN released a video of the plastic wave in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. And when that video came across this carpet that was a hundred yards long wash up on the beach, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't have imagined anything even existed on this planet to where you could have that much waste in the water systems and then wash up on one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Cause I had played there two years prior in 2016 in Dominican winter league. And to see that happen broke my heart. And that's kind of when I got together with parlay for the oceans and said, Hey, I have some of my best friends and favorite teammates are from the Dominican Republic. How can we get down there and do a cleanup? and bring more attention to this, to this issue. And that was really the resurgence of players for the planet. I was done playing. I had more time to put in to the organization and having guys like Robinson Cano, Nelson Cruz, uh, Med Rosario, and all these big time Dominican names go down there and do these cleanups that sent shockwaves through the baseball world to where, you know, we had a huge influx in major league baseball players and both minor league players is too. These kids are now coming out of college. They're studying environmental science. Um, but also they understand the future that what the future holds for them. If we can't figure it out now, like they're going to be the generation that suffers the most and their kids are going to suffer. And so these kids are particularly passionate about getting out and doing something about it. And I think that is the greatest transition of players for the planet is, is having this generation of kids and players and athletes that are, they're not going to take this shit anymore. (laughs) Pardon my French, but um, you know, if you look around the globe, particularly with like soccer players and volleyball players, like they notice that they're losing practice days on the daily. It's becoming harder to train. It's, you know, marathons are getting cut shorter. Um, It's putting more, more, more harm to the body, more stress on the body. And so, you know, now it's become a global thing where we have um, girls in the women's super league. We have girls in the NWSL, NBA, NHL, and our baseball roster continues to grow. So now we're, you know, we're 
we're, we're cemented in the DR with our education program and MLB academies, teaching them about ocean health and, you know, and plastic waste and how to be better stewards of the environment. But we've also taken note of these individuals that are signing on what their particular passions are. And I think that was the most important is like, what is it that you guys care about the most and how can we help facilitate these opportunities for you guys to make a difference? So we started based it off of six pillars, oceans, conservation, meaning tree planting, um, obviously oceans, ocean health, protecting marine life, renewable technologies for the athletes that drive electric cars, have solar, have, you know, wind power and Europeans that, you know, hydropower, particularly like our athletes from like Denmark and Sweden. Um, food systems is a new one, new one, you know, addressing food waste, um, vegan for environmental reasons. Um, composting, access to fresh fruits and vegetables, which is, you know, which becomes an environmental and equity part of our deal. And then, of course, single-use plastic. And then what's really become a big one for us is reuse and repurpose. Every year, we throw out millions of pounds of, of sports equipment, footwear. Wow. And a lot of this stuff can be repurposed, recycled, or it can be given to those that are less are less fortunate for for second life. So those have become our six pillars. And so since then, just finding ways to do whether it's a, a clothing gift back, a clothing swap, where teams can come together and take all the old stuff that they don't wear anymore and sw- and swap it out. Getting bins to send uh, old equipment to local youth leagues or down to the Dominican Republic to be used again. Our Play for Trees program this year where players can contribute um, a dollar amount or a number of trees per stat, whether it be hits, home runs, extra base hits, strikeouts, wins, saves. Um, And, you know, we're in to the beginning of September now. We've already had uh, over 100,000 trees committed by our athletes this year. And a large part of that is, again, is giving them the opportunity to not just have like this gesture of planting trees somewhere in Montana or, you know, California fire restoration. Let's give back to the community, particularly urban communities who are going to be the marginalized communities who are going to suffer the most with climate change. Let's provide urban tree canopy. Let's provide, you know, mitigation for pollution and other fat uh, hazardous factors that are in these areas. Let's offer shade. Let's offer fruit trees to have a sustainable food system. And so that is that is the uh, the evolution of what we're doing um, right now. And then we're looking forward to getting more involved in the MLB Crown Jewel events. We did the beach cleanup here in Santa Monica for the All-Star Game. MLB committed to 20 trees for every home run hit for the All-Star Game this year, which would be given to California Fire re- Restoration. So, you know, I think we have our hands full, but we listen to our athletes over here and we see what they're concerned about and then do our best to make it work with the team and with the league. That's amazing. I mean, it's, you know, I I love also that that your approach has really been to go to your athlete partners and get them on board with what, what do they want to work on? Cause that's where you're going to, you're going to have that passion fit. You're going to have the engagement from them. You're going to have them really wanting to, to put the time into doing this. And, you know, I also really, you know, I love what, when you said reuse, uh, I was thinking more about the, the world, the world that we do around, you know, kind of reuse, uh, reusable, uh, packaging and foodware systems and reuse at events and things like that. But having been a, a former, uh, youth sports coach, I coached, uh, you know, football and, and basketball and, and, and snowboarding, uh, for years, you know, I, I, I know how, how equipment heavy those sports can be. 
And then also just, you know, making sure that that the communities have the resources that they need to have good equipment and, uh, you know, be able to, 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 to do these incredible things for kids. I mean, I'm, I'm just a firm believer that, you know, sports are, are so important in, in developing all of these skills that we want in society, you know, teamwork and leadership skills and the hard work and, and perseverance and grit. And uh, so anyway, I'm just thrilled about what, you, what you're doing, Chris. I wonder if we could dive into a couple more of these issues that, that you've surfaced. I mean, for, first off, thank you for all the work on e-waste. You know, this is this is actually near and dear to my heart because 22 years ago, I, I worked on uh, the first um, b- the first law in the United States to require computer and television companies to take back their their electronic equipment, and it's now spread all around the country, and it's it's become kind of the the law for most of the population here. But it, it didn't exist, and certainly in Ohio back in the early you know 2010s, it 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 didn't exist there. And so, you know, I think that the the work that you did to really draw awareness and 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 get people engaged around that and get the players engaged around that, I, I my guess is that probably helped uh, get some of these states uh, to pass these laws that are really putting the the, the pressure and onus uh, on corporations. So, the fantastic work there. You know, I'd love to dive into 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 plastic at sports uh, and just disposables at sports a little bit more. So. You know, I know that professional athletes that care about the planet, when the fans leave after a game <laughs> and you look around <laughs> at, at, at what's going on in the stands, you know, it's got to be disheartening. And I'm just curious about, you know, whether or not uh, some of some of the work that you guys have been doing have, have, have been influencing folks like the Green Sports Alliance and others to kind of take these issues of, of disposable products at, at sporting events more seriously. Yeah, I mean, we're we're starting to see a break in it. I think there have been new policies put in place where uh, they now allow people to bring in reusable water bottles. I don't think that they're the actual refill stations are as abundant as I'd like. I mean, I just took my daughter to go see the guys on the on the field at Dodger Stadium the other day, and you know, I had her little water bottle and I had my water bottle. And you know, when you're looking around, it's like there's no there's no real place to. To, to fill this up, it's like 105 degrees out. You don't want to be walking all around the stadium, you know, looking for this. So we ended up getting, my buddy ended up getting water bottles because these kids are like sweating. And it kind of threw me back into this. It was just like, when are we going to have this major overhaul? And, and essentially that, that comes from the, the owner and it comes from, you know, it comes from the, from the league. If, um, and that's ultimately what, what it's going to take. I think we're going to have to break away from this, this private, this private entity and have these mandates to where these leagues are now determining that they're going to make an effort for, for greater impact and essentially have to put demands into each team to start to integrate some of the renewable technologies and to get away from single use plastic. Um, you know, there needs to be mandates to where there should be a refill station for every, you know, every three sections um, you know, in the, in the ballpark. And and I I don't think, and from somebody who's had, uh, beer bottles and water bottles thrown from the second deck, I think, (laughs) you know, if I think people will be less inclined to throw a $20 bottle onto the field, um, as, you know, as dangerous as, as it is. And I think that was part of the reason that they didn't do is for safety concerns. But, you know, if you have a $40 hydro flask, I doubt you're just going to throw $40 away onto the field. Right. Right. Um, but again, I think it also, it starts with, with the athletes. If these guys are, 
routinely coming out to the dugout with a reusable water bottle and they're eliminating plastic within the clubhouse, they're going to know that there's no longer a demand in that they, they, that they need to do better. And, you know, just from consumers in general, I think it relies on us to go to the Cokes and Pepsis and just and, and demand more change than 10%, you know, reduced plastic in the cap. Yep. Um, yeah. hundred percent. So, you know, it's, 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 it's league and it's, I think it's the fans in its, in, in itself that are going to have to continue to, to raise this awareness and to demand more change. And, you know, the green sports Alliance is doing, doing a great job as far as being an entity that can help advise, but it's not, it's only when they have to advise when a team is willing to be advised right, as opposed, right. as opposed to being a partner with MLB and mandating that all 30 teams will have to integrate renew a renewable technology by 2025 or let's put in a mandate where we're no longer dealing with single use plastics in the stadium by 2025. That's where the real change comes from. And that's what we need to continue working, working towards because for us, I see it every day. Our NWSL players are reaching out being like, dude, there's so much plastic in here. How can we figure this out? Arizona diamondbacks, there's so much plastic in here. How can we figure this out? And so having these ambassadors in the clubhouse go speak to their stadium operations people, speak to their community directors, and be like, listen, this is something that we want to do. And then that's where we step up and be like, hey, we reach out to partners like New Wave and Viro. Can we get what we call our locker room kit? Can we get 30 locker room kits sent to the Seattle Mariners so they can take their food in reusables to and from the stadium when they're on the road? Um, and, and, and vice versa. And how can we provide, you know, the entire team with reusable bo- water bottles, but more is how can we have these discussions with these teams to put in the proper infrastructure to where it is convenient. I, I feel like the infrastructure and systems are, are so important. And, you know, we, we've been working with a number of, of companies that are working to, to totally transform a, a event spaces and stadiums and make them reusable. And so some of them, um, you know, there's a number of, of reusable cup companies that are providing services for concert venues and sports stadiums around, you know, they can, <laughs> there's a, there's one company that has a, um, a mobile dishwashing unit. It, it, it sits in a big Gaylord tractor trailer in the parking lot and they can wash a hundred thousand cups in an hour. <laughs> and so it's, you know, when you really think about it, I mean, I, I think that in, in five to 10 years, you're going to see most event spaces are going to have reusable cups for, for beer, wine, and, and for soda. And it could be something for water as well. Like, so, you know, if the event owners don't want the the folks bringing their metal reusable bottles in because they're worried about somebody getting hurt with, uh, you know, th- throwing that at somebody, well, you can have, you know, plastic cups, you can have reusable plastic cups or reusable aluminum cups. Um, nobody's going to get hurt with those things. And, and you could have, make that available you know, for all of your concessions. Uh, and so I think that, that this is something that we're, we're super excited about. I think it's like beer cups and water are like the, the first, like you were saying, the, these are some of the first things that need to be taken care of. But then we think, you know, hot dogs, the ways that other, other types of concessions are being served um, at sporting venues could absolutely uh, also go reusable as well. Uh, have you seen any of that, Chris? Like any, 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 any initiatives like that in, in, in the, the teams and the players you're working with? Um, yeah, I, you know, I think as far as being able to step in, I'd like to see, I'd like to see more of it, honestly. Um, it's just, I know that these guys are so swamp. Like I can, it's one thing I can barely get a hold of them sometimes too. <laughs> 
just with the just with the communication, it's like, you know, perfect example yesterday, you know, it's like, all right, we need an answer for, you know, we need a person, uh, a player to commit for, um, for like his tree planting event in, you know, in a certain city. And it's like, you're trying to reach out, but then they have like a day night double header that they have a travel day the next day. And so I get it. And as a former athlete, like I, I, I get it and I give them space and, um, so, you know, the turnover time there until we can actually get on the phone and be like, all right, what do you need? And who do you need to talk to, to, to implement some of these into place? And, um, and they're, they've actually been very successful. And that's the, the beauty of it is when players speak up, it's like, Hey, how can we get, uh, um, flow water? It's like, how can we get a flow water? And it's like, boom, okay. This can be put in the, the, the weight room. This can be put one in the locker room, yep. one in the coach's room. Yep. So strategically understanding like this is where we need them. What is the, what is the team commitment? And the teams are very open to it. It's just, you know, we run into the bureaucracy of it. It's like, all right, where's the budget coming from? Is it like the travel? Is it this a travel budget? Is this a community budget? Is this a stadium budget? Is it where's, where's the money coming from? And so, you know, you have these long delays of this, this turnover and trying to make something happen. And so that's probably the most frustrating part is, when we're, we're having these conversations to put into infrastructure, it's kind of like the short, Hey, we're working on it. Hey, you know, we have to run this by so-and-so and this has to go to so-and-so to get signed off. And it becomes a whole thing. And not to mention the absolute worst part about this is the sponsors. Yeah. It always gets caught up with the sponsors. Yep. Yep. So last year in Tampa, we had the ability we had, or in Arizona, we were like, how can we get a flow water station right by the dugout? Okay. Well, what is the branding? We, I don't know if our sponsors, you know, Coke or Pepsi or whoever will feel about this when we don't have Dasani water visible in the clubhouse and they're using reusable water right, bottles right, or they see right. something that's not Gatorade oh, branded man. where they're getting, where they're getting the water from. And so that's probably the most frustrating thing is that the, them being under the thumb of these corporate sponsors that pay millions of dollars to be highly visible on TV and throughout the stadium. Yeah. You know, Chris, this is one of the things we, we've been working on as well, because of course, you know, you don't need to drink Coke out of a plastic bottle, right? You can drink, you could drink it out of a reusable cup with a fountain. I mean, this is, this is the way that business start, you know, one of the ways this business mainstreamed all over the place, especially for events was, was in fountain with fountain drinks and, and, and reusable cups. And so, you know, that's something that we, we definitely want these big players in, in the, in the beer world, in the soda world, in the bottled water world, like what people want is the product. They don't want the package. And so if you can deliver that in a way that's way more sustainable, uh, you know, that's, that's obviously going to be the way to do it. So Chris, I know we're getting close to time here. You know, I did want to connect on just a couple of the things. One of the things that I feel is so important, um, about players for the planet is, is engaging the next generation and young people. And I know that, you know, so many young people, they look up to athletes as role models. And, and so to be able to like, you know, translate their passion for your sport into passion for taking action on the environment, you know, tell, tell our audience a little bit more about, about how you guys work to engage young people and, and also what you're hearing from them. Like, what are you, what, what are you excited about with this new up and coming generation? I'm, I'm, I'm excited for these young kids that I, I get emails from every day being like, I want to be a youth ambassador. Cause we do have a, we had a college, we had a college ambassador program or basically like an amateur youth um, program. So we do have a lot of um, college athletes that are working towards, um, you know, making changes in their athletic department and on campus. But 
we also have young kids. Like we had a couple uh, youth baseball teams reach out that wanted to do a cleanup. So, you know, we reached out to four ocean and got them, you know, 20 cleanup kits and they went out and did their own cleanups. And then we have kids that want to do their service project around the environment. So we get a ton of emails from parents for the, you know, for their kids and young individuals that want to make a difference. So we're in the middle of putting together a education program and a number of different challenges that they can do um, through a group called Curiosity that's out of Cincinnati. And so it's basically just like certain challenges. It's like go home and make sure that the, you know, you guys have, um, you know, energy efficient light bulbs. Are you, you know, here's an intro to composting. Um, you know, here's an intro to waste sorting. And so, um, you know, that's been the coolest thing. And so partnering with these MLB teams, because they have such a large reach, particularly within the community youth, youth space is to engage the teams and the athletes with these young kids to do these sorts of like composting workshops, waste sorting workshops. So have going to community centers where they do eat meals, having them save the meals and then learn how to sort the food off, donating compost bins to where we can have volunteers and they can work towards learning about compost, maintaining the compost, and then at the end of it, learning about the process of composting because they have a community garden or a school garden that that can be utilized with. Um, and so getting these kids to understand where this goes if we're not careful, but also these things that they can do at home um, with their with their sorting process at home um, and providing just kind of educational material. So that's kind of the next frontier is really addressing and providing the necessary tools for all these young athletes that are, that are so passionate about, um, you know, conserving their future. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Chris, I know we're at time here. This has been such a pleasure to, to get to know you and hang out. You know, where, where can people learn more about you and players for the planet and, and what you're up to and where, where can folks connect with you? Yeah, if you um, you can reach out to us uh, on the website uh, playersfortheplanet.org. Uh, we have our pro sign up. We have our youth ambassador sign up, and so you know that's where a majority of these emails are coming from. We're for parents and youth athletes, and we urge you know any of the kids that are doing you know projects that are at school. You know we can help facilitate more options and information on what they can do at their school in their home or with their sports team. And so we had a kid reach out yesterday that wants to, you know, eliminate plastic for them. So it's, you know, how can we work with, with reusable companies to get their entire team outfitted with, uh, with these, with these water bottles. Um, and then the same thing at school is how they can put together kind of like a waste sorting club. So it's been really interesting. Um, and it's been a new dynamic for us, particularly, and I just enjoy it so much seeing these kids that are in college that are going to come out looking to get into the profession to make, you know, huge changes, but also these kids that are like eight and nine years old that are kind of stepping up to the plate, no point intended, um, to really impact their community. So yeah, you can find us on playersfortheplanet.org and sign up there, um, you know, sign up for our newsletter, but you can also follow us on, on Instagram. That's where, you know, most of our, our content uh, is and our you know updates on what our athletes are doing all across the league. Amazing, amazing, Chris. Hey, so fun to hang out with you. I'll look forward to the next time we get to have a conversation. This has been great. I appreciate it. And that's our show. If you like what you're hearing, help spread the word. Subscribe to the Indisposable Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Add a review, talk us up. Nobody spreads a message like you. The Indisposable Podcast is brought to you by Upstream. 
sparking innovative solutions to plastic pollution, envisioning a world without it, and empowering businesses, communities, and individuals to imagine and co-create this future with us. You can find resources mentioned on today's episode as well as learn more about Upstream's work at www.upstreamsolutions.org. Follow us on social and join the movement. There's a better way than throwaway.